Hello again, and welcome to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and I am your host for this episode. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about seven tricks to save time and perfect performance. Ah, so, I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Tricks to save time and perfect performance. It seems kind of like overpromising, right? But I'm really not overpromising. I'm going to share with you tricks that I have learned in doing marketing for my company and also tricks that I've discovered while in consulting sessions with my clients to help them reach more people with their marketing and save time and get better results. As a matter of fact, I'm actually using one of my seven tricks right now because this episode originally aired on the Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose Facebook group as a Facebook Live. Usually what I would do is I would just pull the audio from the Facebook Live, edit it a little bit, and then turn it into a podcast. Now, this week's isn't quite that easy because I actually shared some videos to illustrate my point. So I'm an aerialist, as you will hear in the introduction to the podcast. What that means is that I wrap myself up in this ribbon thing, hanging from the ceiling, spinning and contorting. It's really super fun. I love it so much. I've learned a lot through composing my aerial routines and perfecting my art as an aerialist. Now I'm in no way perfect, but I get better every time that I practice, right? And it's the same thing with your marketing. So I shared these videos as an illustration for how you can save time and perfect performance through recycling elements that you already know work. You don't have to relearn or remake, right? So if you want to see those videos, you can hop on over to the Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose Facebook group and check them out. And if you haven't already joined the group, you'll need to do so to be able to watch them. I do a Facebook Live there every other week, really. The whole group is just about asking questions, finding solutions, and sharing successes with each other in a safe space. Now, let's get to those seven tricks to save time and perfect performance If you've ever listened to my podcast before, you know that sometimes I think of more tricks along the way. So we'll see if I end up with seven or if we come up with like, you know, more, but let's get to business. You're on a mission and you just need more people to know about it. And whether you're brand new to marketing or a seasoned pro, we are all looking for answers to make marketing decisions with purpose. I'm Monica Pitts, a techie, crafty business owner, mom, and aerial dancer who solves communication challenges through technology. This podcast is all about digging in and going digital. I'll share my marketing know-how and business experience from almost 20 years of misadventures. I'll be your backup dancer so you can stop doubting and get moving towards marketing with purpose. All right, so let's start with the backstory, right? I am an aerialist. So I just explained how that's dangling from the ceiling, wrapping myself in this ribbon or fabric, whatever you want to call it, and contorting. (laughs) And then doing things that make you look strong because you have to be kind of strong to do them. Now, it's super fun, kind of Cirque du Soleil magic stuff, right? And I started doing aerial about uh, three years ago. I did it because my daughter had a dental surgery that she had to do. She had like something that was making her teeth literally fall out of her head. And so they had to remove some of her teeth. And I was really stressed out about it. And I, I mean, she had to be put under, all these teeth needed to be taken out. And 
my mom was like, oh, Monica, you're so stressed out. Is there anything that I can do for you? And I said, you know what? I think I just want one hour to get away that day. And so she came over to my house and sat with my conked out kid. And I went over and I took my first aerial class and it was magic. I was like, I can't believe that I didn't find this like 20 years ago because I love it so much. And then last year, I set a goal that I wanted to perform. I was like, this is so fun and so awesome. I really want to learn how to tie all these moves together and put them to music. And I want to dance in the air. So my first performance was a competition. Yippee, right? Because that's what, I mean, nobody's going to invite you to perform. You have to prove yourself first and you can pay to compete. So I paid to compete. So I did Area Olympics Regionals at an intermediate level, and I actually won the competition. And one of the sequences that I used is called a marionette sequence. Now, it's a neat sequence because it looks really cool. It gets you really high up into the air, and it's very secure. But you can also do a lot of other moves from it. So when I did my second performance, which was a performance for Como Aerial Arts, which was at the end of 2019, I used that same pass sequence and I built on it and I made it harder because it does get you so high up in the air and there are so many variations from it. But I didn't have to relearn the beginning part of the sequence. It was something that my body already knew and I could perform really well. So then when it came to this summer, I say this summer, I should say last summer, the summer of 2020, I was outside because that's the only place I could practice by myself practicing aerial for an aerial competition that was once again the Area Olympics Regionals in St. Louis. And this time I was competing as an advanced aerialist. Now there are multiple levels for each type of aerial that you do. The highest level is pro, I'm advanced, so that's one underneath professional. So I had to take my skills up a notch and I'd never competed obviously at this level before. So I was pretty nervous about it and I was trying to do all new things. I was trying to make it all different and harder and more impressive, but I was feeling very like sad and unsupported because I was doing it all by myself in my backyard, right? Cause I didn't have classes to go to and things to stimulate me and help me learn. Just like so many other people I feel felt during the summer of 2020, right? So I called up one of my aerial coaches, Tina, and I was like, hey, can I come over to your house? Will you watch me do this? Will you give me some pointers? I need some help. And she said, oh, yeah, sure. So I went over. I showed her the routine. And I was like, this, this part right here, I just don't really think it's that impressive. I don't think that it's an advanced level move. And she's like, I know, Monica, the skill that you're doing looks really good on you. But what about your marionette sequence? The one that you did for the winter showcase for Como Aerial Arts. What about that one? And so she's like, just try it. Just put it in the routine. Let's just do it to music. And I did. And it was amazing. Tina's like, holy cow, I just got chills. That was so perfect. It went with the music perfectly. I perform it well because I'd done it so many times already. And so we took out that pass that I was trying to do that didn't seem quite right. We put in something that my body already knew mechanically. And all I had to do was make it work with this new style and music. And it's an amazing pass. It looked beautiful in competition and I ended up getting third. Now, why am I telling you all these stories? It's because one technique can really produce endless variations in my aerial and it's the same thing with marketing. Now, we marketers 
feel like artists, just like I'm an aerial artist. I feel like marketers get that same kind of fire. We feel this pressure to work harder and keep doing new things in order to meet people. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do new things all the time. You can recycle your existing things to produce many more variations of it and reach more people without having to learn or produce stuff that's brand new. I call this the reach and recycle concept. And now I am going to recycle part of another podcast by reading about the reach and recycle concept for you. So the reach and recycle concept helps you kind of plot out the ideal journey of how your audience goes from being unaware of you or there's different journeys, right, for each part of your audience. You might be trying to bring volunteers and to become donors. You might be trying to have donors become board members, or you might have people that have never even heard of you before become members of your audience, so they will become volunteers and donors. But either way, you have people who you're trying to take a journey that will transform them into the type of supporter that you need right now. So imagine that those people are on one side of the ocean or on one side of the river, because river seems a lot more crossable, right? So let's go with river. So they're on one side of the river. Your, your potential supporters or the people that you're trying to take through the journey are on one side of the river. And then on the other side of the river is the spot where you want them to go. So all across the river, you have to make a path for them. You have to have a stepping stone for them to go from one spot to the next spot so you can take them through the journey to land them where they need to be. You build a bridge across it. And that those stones are the things that you do in your marketing. They're things like your blog and your social media, your emails, your website. All those things together build the bridge for you to be able to transform people into the types of supporters that you need to power your organization. Now, let's say that the only way that you're trying to move your audience across this river is social media. And maybe you're trying to reach women in the workforce like myself. Now, you might miss me on social media because I'm not on it very often. I look at my groups a lot because they give me a lot of value, but I'm not just out in my normal social feed very often. I'm either at work or wandering around my house, like cussing and cleaning up after my children as they systematically trash it. I'm a mother of a six-year-old and a 10-year-old, and all these snow days that we had in February have pretty much... Uh, deconstructed my house to the lowest level. Do you feel me right now? (laughs) Okay. So, but let's say that you take that same content that's being published on social media and you also distribute it via email. It's like insurance because some of the people in your email list will see it and some people on social media will see it. And notice I said some, like some people will see it, but not everyone because realistically, not everyone is going to open your emails And not everyone is going to see your social media posts. Like your best case scenario is say 25% of people are opening your emails. Now, I mean, I say best case scenario, but you could have like amazingly loyal email followers and you could have like a 35% open rate. But let's say between 25 and 35% of the people are opening your emails. That's not super high, right? That's not a passing grade, (laughs) but that's the reality of emails. Now, Causely claims that only 10% of your Facebook followers will see your posts on social media. I have clients that have higher, I have clients that have lower, but ultimately it's not anywhere near 100%. It's probably closer to 30. 
So let's do some simple math. If you send it out in email and you put it out in social media and you have a 30% email open rate and a 30% viewership on social media, then you have the potential to reach 60% of your audience, right? Except that you don't have the same people following you on social media that you have in your email list, right? And sometimes they overlap without some type of really amazingly magical analytics program, it would be very difficult to tell, right? Really the point is that if you put your content out in multiple places, you create insurance that more people are going to see it. As soon as I tell people that their digital marketing strategy needs to include more than one type of digital medium, though, just like I just said, I was like, well, let's put it out on social media and send it out via email. They usually completely freak out on me and they're like, that is too much. I don't have enough time. There's no way I can afford to do it. So don't freak out, though, because what we're talking about is recycling your content. You don't have to do multiple, you don't have to do everything, right? People say, well, should I have an Instagram account? Should I have a TikTok account? Should I have, you know, should I try to get on Clubhouse? The answer is probably not. No. I would start with one and figure out how to do one really, really well. And then co-publish that content out onto other mediums that are like it. So for example, if you have a great Facebook following and you're trying to move into Instagram, then you can start experimenting over in Instagram by publishing the same content that you're publishing in Facebook. And you could publish that same content that you're publishing in Facebook over in LinkedIn as well. And you're going to be fine. And then when you have time, you can make it your goal to really beef up your Instagram account. But you just don't have time to do everything all the time. Don't take off this huge goal right now, right? We need to start small and build with it. All right. So you guys are probably like, oh my goodness. So you're talking about this whole concept, Monica, but what I want are tricks. Okay. Let's get to tricks. I'm going to give you actual real life ideas that you can put into play right now. So let's get to it. The first one. Now, I know that not all of you have something like a radio show, but let's say that you're creating audio content somehow. Maybe you're recording concerts. You might have audio content from trainings. You could have a radio show, like one of the consulting clients that I had recently has a radio show. If you can repurpose that into a podcast, you can gain more listeners because you can allow people to listen at their leisure and you can find more people because all of those podcast um, distributors like Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, they're all search engines, right, for podcasts. And so people go in and they search for information and the podcast shows up. So you can meet more people this way, which is very exciting. Now, I was just talking the other day, like I said, with a consulting client that has a radio show that used to be a live event. And they were like, man, this really stinks because I don't know if people are showing up. I don't know how many people are listening. So I'm just really not sure if this is worth it or even if it's working anymore. And so I thought, well, why don't they just record the radio show while you're doing it? And then you put it up on a podcast and then you can email it out to your email list. And then you can see how many people listen to the podcast, how many people open the email, and you can get a much better idea of what you're doing. And on top of it, then you will probably have more people listening because you will find people that you don't know yet, just like I just described with those 
podcast providers being search engines, right? And you'll also allow people more flexibility so they can listen to it whenever they want. They don't just have to show up for the radio show at a specific time. Side note, but the only radio shows that I ever showed up for at a specific time ever were the ones when I was nursing Ellis. So Ellis is my oldest child and NPR and I were best friends. It was so awesome. We would... We were on a schedule because she was a very scheduled creature, and I would sit and listen to the same radio shows every day. It was totally great. I would sit down in the chair, and it that would be my friend. My friend would be on NPR, the radio show. It was so amazing. <laughs> oh, I digress. Okay. So second thing that you can do, a second trick. Have you recorded an event that you could offer on demand? Because you can boost attendance and you can boost cash flow by selling admission in a quarterly flash sale or by just offering the content at a time when people are able to consume it, right? So just like my aerial videos, there are a lot of performances that are pre-recorded now and you can watch them on demand just like movies or anything else. That's how Netflix works, right? So that's like how our society is trending and how they think about it. So if you have an awesome live event that people might want to watch later, you can package it up and offer it on demand. You can offer it on demand for free and build your email list that way. Or you can even sell it like in a flash sale. And it's a way that you can generate revenue for your nonprofit by recycling something that you already have. All right. So our, my third idea, my third trick is do you have old blog posts that you could turn into emails or podcasts? You can bring people to your website by resharing popular information that they might have already forgotten about. I mean, like how many of you out there are blogging? And you know how much time it takes to blog, right? Like it takes a while to write it all out. It's like four hours, right? Three to four hours per blog post, depending upon how long it is. So the concept of repurposing old blog posts is something that I, I can't believe that it, it took me so long to figure out that I should be doing it, really, which is why I'm telling you because I want you to learn from my mistakes, right? But you can take your old blog posts and you can turn them into emails. You can turn them into a podcast. You can make them into social media posts, and I know you don't think I'm nuts, right? Because you you want to save time. So this year, for example, we're spending a lot of time making our nonprofit content. But I only do one piece of new content for my construction clients. Now, I have all kinds of content that I've, I've made for them for years and years. And a lot of it is still extremely applicable to their universe. So... We decided this year that I would pull up my well-performing construction blog posts that have been very popular for a long period of time and just record them as podcasts. And then we send them out in our weekly emails. And now they have the content two ways. Because the thing is that people only know you from this moment moving forward. So if they just joined your email list, if they just became a supporter of your cause, they don't know you in the past. They don't know all the amazing things that you've created that can help them solve their problems. We can use the things that we've already talked about that we know other people care about and responded well to, to help them. It does not have to be new. And even if they already saw it once before, odds are pretty good that they're really busy and they've probably forgotten about it. And if it was very useful to them the first time, it'll probably be useful them to the, like the second time. If any of you guys go to yoga, like I'm a yogi, right? So I go to a yoga class and the teacher may have said something 14 times, but I didn't hear it in that moment that I'm in 
right then and there, right? I heard it in a different way. I heard it through a different lens. And then they'll say it in this new moment that I'm in right now. And I'll be like, whoa, that's what that means. Holy cow, you know? And so that's why you keep practicing because it deepens that practice. It makes it makes you better. And even if the teacher gives you the same prompt, you hear it differently and we can share our same content and people will interpret it differently when they see it in a different moment from a different point of view, in a different frame of mind. Okay, so what are we on now? Are we on like number four? Yeah, we're on number four. So do you have newsletters? Are you making newsletters right now? I know so many nonprofits make newsletters. You know what you can do with your newsletters? Oh, so many things, my friends. But one thing I really want you to think about doing is turning almost all the things in your newsletter into social media. So you can save time and make sure that everyone sees everything by taking each of the elements from your newsletter and posting about each one of them a few times on social media. Now, I've recently had two different consulting sessions where I've looked at organizations' newsletters and was just like, holy cow, this is a ton of content. Like I can tell that they are spending a ton of time making their newsletters. And then I think, oh, Please tell me that you're turning all of this into social media posts and updating your website with it and sending out an email newsletters. And most of the time, they're not doing that. And who, if you are not doing it, my friends, you need to start because it is going to save you so much time. Each time I tell somebody about this, they're like, I never thought of that. You just saved me so much time. And that's why I'm telling you right now, because I don't want you to feel like you have to do different content for each medium. Friends, it does not need to be that way. Like I said before, the people that follow you on Facebook, they might not be the people on your email list. And the people that visit your website might not be the people on Facebook or the people on your email list. You don't know how people are using the bridge that you've built for them across that river to become the supporter that you need them to be. So you need to fill in those stepping stones with the same stuff so that way they can get it wherever they land. Okay. Now here's another thought. Do you have social posts that you can turn into an email newsletter or an offering? So you can take popular posts from your page or Facebook group or whatever medium you're on, and you can turn them into an offering to share with your audience and attract new audience members. I had a conversation with a nonprofit this summer who has a very active Facebook group. Like people are always posting amazing tidbits of information for one another. It's the Audubon Society. So they're always watching birds. They're talking about what the birds are doing right now and which ones they've seen, if they see a really cool one. And the organization first wanted to do an email newsletter, but they just weren't sure what to put in it. But after learning about their awesome Facebook group, I thought, man, why not consult the amazing Facebook group for email content? Because you could take the most popular content that people are sharing and put it out in an email newsletter. And you can post about that on the group and bring the people from the group into your email list. Because sometimes they want to see all the great stuff that's going on in the Facebook group, but they just don't have time to get out there and check it every single day. So you're solving a problem for your audience and you are also feeding your email newsletter at the same time with stuff that they're already generating for you. 
And then why can't you take the information from those posts and their comments? Because sometimes they're super informative. Somebody will ask a question. It could be like, how do you know the difference between this bird and that bird? And 25 people would answer that question in your Facebook group. Well, you can take that information from that question that was so extremely popular and you can turn that into an offering, something that people can download in the form of a PDF or you could make a video about it, whatever you want to do and put it on your website and people enter their email address to be able to get that information. So you can use that same information that you're getting out on your Facebook group or your Facebook page to make an offering to build your email list. It is magical. Recycling, yes. Okay, so then do you have social posts that you can share on your website? right? Because we get a lot of awesome feedback on our Facebook pages. And I I keep saying Facebook, but it's on social media. So we get all kinds of feedback from people in their comments and in the posts that they make on our pages. Can we share that on our website, right? So now I'm not just talking about like the social feed. That's very fancy. And if you have a social feed on your website, that's totally awesome. But it doesn't live there forever, does it? It's only the most recent social posts, People go on social media all the time and they say really nice things about you in the comments and they tag you in posts. And those are the things that you can put in your email newsletter or that you can put on the pages of your website to show people real evidence of the awesome work that you're doing. And a very small bunny trail, if you are getting great testimonials or success stories, don't just put them in one page on your website. Like they don't belong in a testimonials page with all the testimonials together. You can put them on that page, but you also need to put them on the pages of your website where they most apply to the content on the website. Because your testimonials or your success stories, they're like product reviews on Amazon. You don't go to one page on Amazon and sort through all the reviews to find the one that's pertaining to the item that you want to buy, do you? No, that review is already on the page that you're on, right? If it wasn't, you wouldn't have ever seen it because you would never go dig through that stuff. And people are not digging through that stuff on your website either. So pull them out and put them on the pages where they make the most sense and build that credibility for your organization. Like let's copy Amazon, like clearly their system is working, right? Alrighty, so my last trick is taking successful emails and turning them into a nurture sequence. Remember, I just said earlier that people only know you from this moment forward, but you have so many great things that you have already shared. That's what we're talking about today. So why not let them get to know you better by sharing those most successful things with them? right? Because you already know that they want them because everyone else has shown you that it's good stuff. So if you're sending out emails all the time and it's always new stuff, then what I want you to do is I want you to take a look at your most successful emails, the ones that have the highest click-through rates, the ones that have the highest open rates. And then I want you to put them together into a nurture sequence for your new joiners. And you can even treat it as an onboarding process for new volunteers or new supporters or new staff members. So that way they can read some of the great stuff that people really care about. Now, when I talk about a nurture sequence, what I mean is someone signs up for your email list and then they're put into a workflow. You can call it a nurture sequence, but basically what happens is one email would send at regular intervals to them until the sequence is fulfilled. So it could be that it sends every three days. It could be that it sends once a week on Thursdays, one email this Thursday, the next email the following Thursday, and it's a sequence, right? They build on each other. Now, In winter of 2020, we did a year-end fundraising training, and we also had email templates that we were selling for year-end giving. And I had some emails 
that I'd sent out that were just like the one that you may have opened to find this fabulous podcast. And they had amazing open rates, like over 40% of people had been opening these emails. And I knew for a fact that people really wanted and needed that information. Like when I saw those open rates, I was like, holy cow. And so I created a nurture sequence for people who came to the website with those very emails. I did not rewrite them. I just put them into the nurture sequence. And then when new people downloaded something from my website, they got my most successful emails delivered one per week. And what was amazing is when I looked back on that sequence and how it was doing after it had been sending for a while, those emails had an even better open rate and click-through rate in the sequence than they did when I just sent them the first time. People really did want the information. I was like, holy cow, they didn't even ask for this email. And I sent it to them and they were so excited to have it because it was just what they needed at that moment. So, uh, yeah, you don't have to create everything from scratch, friends. Okay, so those were seven. I actually did keep it to seven. I'm kind of proud of myself. I may have given you a couple like, you know, accidental extras in there, but seven big ideas on how you can recycle your content and save time to perform better in your marketing. Now, here's my challenge for you. I want you to think about the ways that you can reach and recycle with your content using the things that you already have and that you already know work again and again so that you don't have to recreate the wheel and you can meet new people through your marketing and let it work for you. Let all the work that you've done work for you so that way you can get back to what is most important, which is serving your mission, right? Okay, so... Let's take a quick second and recap all of those tricks that I just talked about because I know I talk fast and sometimes it just goes woo real quick. So the first one is if you have a radio show or if you have videos or anything that you're recording audio for, can you convert it into a podcast? Number two, have you recorded an event that you could offer on demand? Number three, do you have old blog posts that you can turn into emails or podcasts? Number four, do you have newsletters that you can turn into social media? Number five, do you have social posts that you can turn into an offering? Number six, do you have social posts that you can share in your newsletter or on your website? And number seven, do you have successful emails that you could turn into a nurture sequence? Okay, friends, I hope that you got some great ideas. Once again, your challenge is to think about the ways that you can reach and recycle your content using things that you already have, you already know work, to save time and improve your marketing performance, but then also meet new people and really make sure that that marketing bridge is filled in and ready for people to come in and become the supporters that you need them to be. So thank you so much for listening today. If you want to watch this as a Facebook Live, you can hop on over to the Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose Facebook group. The original Facebook Live aired on February 16th, and it's called Seven Tricks to Save Time and Perfect Performance. I hope to see you on the Facebook group. I would love to have you as a group member, but if not, I am just so incredibly thrilled to have you listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. And until next time, go forth and market with purpose.